Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, double pay or time and a half at least for the flow today. A good Labor Day to you. Monday, September 3rd. Big fight week forthcoming. This is episode 169 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Dodging tropical storm Gordon down here in South Florida, Kid Ken. Flo, I don't know if you saw the weather channel today, but so far the Wi-Fi is holding up. Rain not too bad. No hurricane designation yet. But these things just appear out of nowhere here in, in South Florida. I probably got to move at some point. I think, dude. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're still there. You haven't flown away. That is good news. Uh, you know, uh, listen, man. It, there's always a thing over there in, in Florida. I know, Hurricanes man. and rain, and we, 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 we. I felt a little earthquake yesterday. It was tiny, but we have that over here. But that's you right. know, it's not as dangerous. I feel like as a hurricane, or maybe, maybe no, I'm I, wrong. There's a big I, I one mean, coming. there are everyone has their issues, right? They got yeah. scorpions in Arizona and everything else. Yes. But we had a roofer come to our house within the last week. And his advice to my wife basically was to move out of state, right? <laughs> Not what you're looking for from your Thanks. roofer. Right. We didn't even have a leak, too, right? It was a plumbing <laughs> issue, and he's still telling us to, to get Jeez. the hell out of here. Um, so most American adults, I think, have a pretty good working knowledge, Kenny, of what, what Labor Day is all about. Mm. I mean, I think we screw up Memorial Day and Veterans Day maybe – from time to time in terms of what those holidays really mean. Today really is just a celebration of the American worker, and I know Canada uh, celebrates Labor Day as well. Uh, But Kempflo, I mean, we're working, kid. I mean, we're here. We're live. And I find it totally ironic that the one time that I could actually sleep in and relax today, (laughs) I I got up at like 3 a.m. and could not go back to sleep. I think I was so excited to talk to you, man. I doubt it was that, but you know, a lot of holidays do fall on Mondays, and most UFC fight weeks, of course, begin on Monday. So yeah. this is a work day in every sense for me. And I noticed when you didn't reply to my email, I was like, "Hopefully, Flo's not too mad that I made him bang it in here on Labor Day." But alas, we are here, and and as I said off the top, man, we have a big one this weekend. Kenny Tyron Woodley, Darren Till for the UFC's welterweight title. Kamaru Usman potentially on standby here, but that is neither here nor there. I know you're going to save your prediction for later in the show. Um, At least off the top, I want to say Darren Till is getting respect from Las Vegas. He seems to be getting respect from the public betters out there. This is a very close fight on paper. Mm. Um, And someone even said to me that Till briefly crossed into favored territory over the weekend. But at least this morning when I checked it, Tyron Woodley was still the slight betting favorite. Um, Now, I've said from the outset, Kenny, I think this fight has a chance to play out in a tactical, technical, strategic fashion, not unlike the second meeting between Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Tyron Woodley, and not all that different from the fight we saw between Stephen Thompson and Darren Till. I'm Mm. not saying we're getting 25 minutes and a decision here. I think we're going to see some patience early, particularly out of the incumbent, the champion Tyron Woodley. I I agree with you there. I I think both guys have showed a a patience um, and a discipline 
during their fight, uh, and both against the same guy in, in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And you have to have that kind of patience, and you have to have that kind of discipline. And uh, Tyron Woodley certainly showed that, and and uh, as did Darren Till. Now, both these guys do have a very healthy respect for each other as well. And Darren Till, you can see that he does his homework because you know everyone talks about how explosive and how strong and how fast Tyron Woodley is. But he didn't talk about that stuff. He talked about how intelligent Tyron Woodley is. He talked about how he always comes with very good strategies, and it shows that he really is getting to the heart of what makes Tyron Woodley so dangerous. And I agree with him. Tyron Woodley is a very smart guy and always comes with very good tactics and strategy. Um, and because of that, you kind of get the sense that, yeah, he's going to come in with a lot of patience uh, for this fight against Tyron. He respects that overhand right as he should. Um, and Tyron has a ton of experience against southpaw fighters, which Darren Till is, yeah. of course. Uh, you look at all the guys he's fought. In fact, I think all the guys he's fought in the last six, seven fights have been southpaws. Maya, Wonderboy kind of switches, but let's call him a southpaw. Uh, Robbie Lawler, Kelvin Gastelum, Dong Hyung Kim. So this is a Tyron Woodley who was kind of fighting uh, a very dangerous southpaw at the right time with all of his experience that he has. Yeah. As far as Darren Till is concerned, Kenny, and I like the homework there, you know, it's not just Liverpool that is excited about this kid. I mean, there is a genuine excitement about what the future could hold for Darren Till. And as frustrated as he gets with the talk about him making weight or the challenges that go with it, I do like the way he has handled a lot of these situations when he gives Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman their respect and says, even though the weight cut is a challenge for me, I don't want to move to middleweight without giving those guys the chance mm -hmm. to at least fight for the undisputed title because they have earned that crack. And I think both of those guys deserve those comments from Darren Till. He has also said when he moves up to middleweight, which is an eventuality, that he doesn't just want to pass go and get a title fight, right? That he wants to work his way up at 185 pounds. All of that said, the elephant in the room is fight week for Darren Till, which has arrived. He says he has gotten ahead of it, unlike previous times where he has missed weight in May of 2017 and May of this year. Um, your thoughts on that backdrop to this fight, because like it or not for Darren Till, it is a story. It is very much a story. Uh, and, you know, I want to go back also to what you were talking about, how he wants to defend that title. It shows how serious he is as a competitor, as a fighter, to prove himself uh, to everybody else and probably to prove uh, to himself that he can do all these things. Um, sure. So I think this is a guy at 25 years old, has a confidence that is very unusual, that is very rare. Um, I think he has a self-belief that is extremely strong, um, and I think he really needs to go out there and prove that not only can he make the weight, but he can go and compete very well on fight night after making weight. And those are two very different things. You can get on the scale and you can make the weight. Now, can you compete well at that weight? I made 145 pounds. I made it twice. I felt terrible on fight night both times. You know, and so it's... It's tough, you know, so Darren Till, if you're not motivated at this point to make weight and do it well, then he's probably in the wrong weight class or he doesn't have the motivation to be a champion. I believe he does have the motivation. Yeah. You see that everything he talks about in his interviews, this is a mature young man. Um, and I think he his heart is in this fight game. There is no doubt about it. This guy is a fighter through and through. Is he in the right weight class, though? I'm not so sure. He is huge, right. man. But uh, one thing is for sure, Darren Till does have a lot to prove. I think he knows that. Uh, and, and, he, and he needs to make weight. Otherwise, this is no longer a title fight. 
Right. No, he wants to make sure that he puts himself in a position not just to make the weight, but to maximize the opportunity mm. that he's getting against Tyron Woodley. And and given his struggles against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in missing weight, I think the performance that followed was very encouraging. Like when you competed at 55, forget the featherweight stuff because <laughs> I lose my appetite even talking about it. But when you competed at 55, I know there were times you began that cut around 178 pounds or so. And if I'm off, let me know. But mm-hmm. It seems like this has been a decided change for Darren Till this time around. And I didn't intend to spend the whole show on this, and we won't. But he's trying to get ahead of it. Like, how much variance was there from cut to cut for you at 55 in terms of when and how you began that actual cut? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think, you know, for me, I was always a little bit heavier than that. It probably would always come down from about 182. Um, and I think part of that was, and it would depend on how quickly of a turnaround I had between fights when it was a quick turnaround. Yeah. I would be around 178, 177 pounds. If I had longer, if I was coming back from injury, I would get even heavier than 182 pounds. So, um, yeah, it, it, it gets tricky. And again, uh, anytime it was a title fight, things were just a little bit different. I, I would almost go too hard. I remember when I was fighting BJ Penn, I was way too light, way too quickly because I would I got too excited for that fight. I was training way yeah. too hard. So you have to manage it. It is such a balancing act. And I always didn't have the best guys, uh, the best guys for the job to help me with those things, uh, like weight cuts and all that stuff. And, and now you look at the process, it is so much better. We know so much more about nutrition and weight cutting and how to prepare for a fight and heart rates in the morning. So to make sure you're not, you know, overtraining and all that stuff. But Darren Till, it seems like he's taking it seriously. He's now in Las Vegas and has been in Las Vegas, right? For the last couple weeks, I believe. So, um, he does want those people around him. No longer can you go in and go, well, I've been, this was working for me at the regional level or this was working for me for my first couple UFC fights. Well, this is the biggest fight of his life and he better make sure that he has the best people around him monitoring how he's training, what he's eating, uh, and how he's refueling as well. Yeah, you, you take your trust and your career and your livelihood and you put it in the hands of individuals that you know are going to get you where you want to be. And for my money, there's nowhere better than the UFCPI. But it is interesting when you call it a balancing act because that's really where I wanted to go with this, right? Is that it's not as though there isn't some sacrifice. When you try to get ahead of it, no doubt. you know, maybe you're not as big on fight night or you don't put on as much weight or it's not as optimal for performance, right? I mean, we talk about Khabib Nurmagomedov and I have suggested that he is walking around lighter did he pay a price against Ally Quinta? I don't know. I think sometimes we read a little too deeply into that result. Mm-hmm. But I will say Conor McGregor competed 145 pounds. So if you're going to ask me who fight week is going to be easier for, at least in terms of managing the weight, um, you know, I think it's probably still going to be Conor McGregor, despite the fact that Khabib clearly has gotten ahead of it, as Darren Till has tried to do yeah. uh, as well. All right. Ton of UFC 228 stuff coming up today. I think Kenflo's got to make like nine picks or something, but at least a chance to make up ground. One fight we will not be picking, largely because the odds are not posted right now and they're expected to be quite wide. Zabit Magomed Sharipov taking on the late replacement Brandon Davis, ladder stepping in on less than two weeks notice in place of Yair Rodriguez. So this is a pretty interesting story. I'll set it up if you don't know. Some of you should and probably do. So Rodriguez sort of unceremoniously released from the UFC several months ago, declined some fights, at least one fight, which was this matchup with Zabit Magomed Sharipov. So eventually the sides mended fences. Uh, Sean Shelby was a big part of that and getting everybody back on the same page. But as Rodriguez Kenny was brought back into the fold, he seemed to be brought back with the caveat 
And with the announcement that he would be fighting Zabit once again, that matchup to be made, and it was going to happen this weekend in Dallas, Texas. So mm. August 23rd, Yair pulls out of the fight. And I no doubt, I love this kid, right? Love him, love the documentary, El Pantera, but I got to think, Kenny, promotionally, even though he is legitimately injured, that there's got to be some frustration. And they're not going to let him, you know, pass go and collect his $200 until he returns and fights Zabit Magomed Sharipov and nobody else. I agree. I think the UFC wants to see this fight, um, and mainly for the reason they want to determine who is going to be that next star at 145 pounds. Who is going to be that flashy fighter um, who we can promote? Um, they're looking for other contenders in that division. They're looking for other stars in the UFC. This sport does not survive without the Conor McGregor's and the Darren Till's and the Tyron Woodley's and, and the stars of the sport. They need these guys, and they certainly have that style. Yair Rodriguez, exciting, flashy, fearless uh, when it comes to showing off his technique. The same for Zabit uh, Magomed Sharipov. This is a guy who uh, will jump off the cage and do a spinning kick, and he is absolutely fearless in his attack and the moves that he goes for and I think they want to make this fight happen. I think it will be a fantastic fight. It has the potential to be oh. a classic. And for Yair Rodriguez, you know, I actually talked to him as soon, literally, I think the day or the day after he signed. I saw him at the World Championships of, of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in, uh, in Long Beach. And he said, Hey, listen, it, this was never about Zabit. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to talk to the UFC about my contract and get things moving forward. I'm not afraid of anybody. Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to fight Zabit, and, and this is going to happen. Obviously, he got injured. And I think. Listen, as you move up the rankings as well, you know, some guys you'd go, you know what, I'm a, I'm a little injured or I'm very injured. I'm going to fight anyway. I can beat this guy regardless. Right. But against a guy like Zabit, and as important as this fight is, again, I, I truly think they're trying to find who that next star is going to be. There's too much on the line to risk getting into a fight with someone like Zabit, who's dangerous like he is, and not being at 100% or, or maybe even close to... 50 or 60%, right? So right. I, I think right. Yair probably made the right decision here, and I agree with you. The UFC wants to make sure that this fight happens. Um, you know, I think they've learned their lesson from trying to make fights in the past and it falling through. They want to make this fight uh, go through. And certainly it is an acknowledgement that he needs to be close as possible to 100%, to your point, to beat Zabit Magomed Sharipov. Yeah. And that, of course, brings us to Brandon Davis, who is sort of a hard luck one and two in the UFC, Kenny. This will be his fourth fight in 2018, all of them in the UFC. And it's just a massive ask. And I don't know if he's going to be as high as plus 600 or plus 700. But, you know, this is a featherweight that can fight. And there were a lot of different options. I know John Lineker and others threw their name out there and, and guys like Joe Giannetti who had been cut from the roster. But obviously a huge ask for Brandon Davis. I haven't seen anything like Zabit Magomed Sharipov, and I don't suggest that Yair Rodriguez is ducking him. I do think that's a fight that eventually is going to be made and will still make sense when Yair mm -hmm. comes back, whatever that injury may be. But this Mark Henry trains Zabit Magomed Sharipov, his ability to, to go for moves in a fluid manner and yet reset so that he's not absorbing much coming back, just his ability to mix the martial arts and transition so masterfully uh, I don't have a great point of comparison. I have just been blown away, uh, not unlike I would think a lot of people that are listening to this show. He has a tremendous self-belief in himself, and, and I think that you look at the kind of techniques that he throws out there and how well-rounded he is from all the different positions. He isn't just a one-dimensional guy who shows brilliant wrestling and he goes for these amazing takedowns. He does it all, striking, yeah. grappling. You know, his submission game probably needs work, but he's still pretty dangerous there at the UFC level. He's going to catch a lot of guys 
guy. So this is a guy who continues uh, to impress people every time he goes out and competes. And the scary thing is Mark Henry and a lot of the guys that uh, train with Zabit, they say he's even better in the training room. They said, if you think you, you think he's impressive on fight night, wait till he starts showing all the things that he's doing in the training room. And the right. people that he's taking it right. to and, and, right. and possibly beating in the training room, um, you know, he, he's he's training with, uh, you know, who's who of mixed martial arts. And he's been impressive against those guys. So um, I think the future is certainly bright for Zabit. And uh, I'm excited to see what he brings. And for Brandon Davis, this is a guy who said that, listen, I want to fight anybody. It doesn't matter when or yeah. who I will fight. And here he is stepping up to the plate, proving that um, he's a tough kid. He swings hard. But, uh, yeah, he's got a, a very big mountain in Zabit Magomed Sharipov. But you stay ready, and these high-profile opportunities yeah. do materialize. And if Brandon Davis can take advantage and somehow beat Magomed Sharipov, he will effectively have changed his career forever. Zabito is funny, man. And I know Longo's on hold, and we're going to make him wait 30 seconds because I just want to share this anecdote from Shanghai. I'll never forget Ricardo Almeida and Mark Henry walking into the lobby to check in. And Mark Henry pulls me aside. He's like, dude, Zabit's such a monster. I'm just praying he doesn't want it train right now like hip pads right now i've been flying for two days and of course the beat wanted to train as soon as uh mark got to the hotel room but it is time ladies and gentlemen it's fight week for team sarah longo let's get to ray longo it's now time for the ray longo minute i want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest that's what i want the ray longo minute starring ray longo the john annick and kenny florian podcast well, man, is it a big 12-day stretch for Raymond Peter Longo. Somehow on the Labor Day Holloway, found some time for the Anakin Florian podcast. Raymond, good morning. Good morning. Anything for you guys. Even on Labor Day, <laughs> yeah. full house outside in the gym. Even for you guys. Nobody stops training, but we got to do the podcast. That's it. That's just the way it is. Yes. All right, so Aljamain Sterling, Cody Stamen, you can see it this Saturday night. On FX, it's not on FS1. Ray Longo is going to be in the air shortly to Dallas. Give me something on Aljo, man. Cody Stamen is actually coming up right after your segment today, live on the Anakin Florian podcast. He's not listening to you right now, so feel free to fire away. Give me something for the broadcast Saturday night. How's Aljamain doing? No, no. Look, he could listen to whatever he wants. Aljamain had a great camp. I just think he's got too many tools. He's better in every area. I think it's a great fight for Aljo. Uh, I'm really excited for it. He, he literally, I, I just think he's on point. I think uh, I'm going to see him in about a half hour or an hour, finish it up, and then he's going to get on a plane and go. But uh, he spoke for this fight, and he had a great camp. So it is what it is, but uh, I think it should be a great fight. I just think he's, you know, he. I think Cody Stamen's really tough. I think he got a couple of split decision wins that I didn't even think he won so I think he's up against a different animal is it is it different when you're when you're facing a guy like a Cody Stamen where really he hasn't lost in the UFC he has a tremendous amount of confidence heading into this fight um is is there a strategy revolved around that and obviously he's a wrestler Aljo is a very good grappler what are you guys planning on doing here well, I mean, we looked at, you know, the tapes, and obviously we saw a couple of things we think we can exploit. Whether or not we could do them on the night of the fight, we'll see. But, uh, you know, no, strategy's the same, you know, as any other opponent, you know, except, you know, obviously, you know, it would change if it was a title fight, but even that would be kind of similar. But, uh, no, he's... Aljo's ready to make a statement, man. I think we saw a couple of things that he did better in the Brett Johns fight, and I just hope he continues on that path, but... He mixes it up great. You know, you were talking about Zabit 
before I got on, and that's true. I've seen Zabit in the gym. He's operating at about 20% of what he could do. That, wow. The sky is the limit for that kid. He's phenomenal. And I think Aljo, too. If Aljo does some of the things he does in the gym, you will 100% see a different guy. Now, whether I could get him to that point, I think he's grown with every fight. And I think there's another great growing fight for Aljo. So we yeah. will see. But he's he's ready to go. He's excited. And he had a great camp. If I was in like a fantasy MMA league and I'm not, and you could keep fighters on your team for four to five years, I mean, Aljamain Sterling would be one of the guys that I would target at Bantamweight because I think his ceiling is UFC championship, not unlike Zabit Magomed Sharipov. Real quick, in terms of the common opponent, Brian Caraway, is that film any more useful to you because you've prepared for that guy? I know Aljo's fight with him was a long time ago and it was close, as was Stamen's fight with him, but is that film any more useful because you have prepared for that fighter or not at all? No, no, I think we looked at that fight. It was useful. And, and you got to remember, man, Caraway's a guy, you know, I don't know if he's underrated, but he's got a shitload of experience. You know what I mean? I think he's probably another guy that does things in the gym. He's a steady Eddie guy that, you know, and on any given day, he could probably beat, you know, most people. You know what I mean? So I think that was a good tape to look at. And I think we knew what Aljo did. He went for that submission early in the first round, which was, you know, he held on. He kind of gassed his arms out, and then he had to make up from there. But that still was – that fight, you know, I would have thought Aljo won that fight. But, right. you know, whatever. It is. I mean, those decisions are close. They could go either way. You know, if you tell me Caraway won fine, you know, tell me Aljo right. won fine. But I thought it was a good tape to look at. It's a good gauge. And I thought uh, Caraway actually won the fight with uh, with Cody. So, right. You know. So what? So when do you travel to Moscow? Are you going straight from Dallas to Russia? Or are you going home for a night? No, I'm going home. We're gonna probably oh. end. Up, I think we'll leave on Wednesday. Oh, so you're not gonna miss the show next week? No, no, we're on. I okay, miss it even all right. Because I, I, I Moscow. What are you talking? This is a business. All right. Well, no, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. depends on this goddamn podcast. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, we're going to get to your house is in foreclosure right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get to the money and your prediction in a second. But I just want to let our listeners know that any money that Ray makes on this show is going to be added to his massive holiday bonus at the end of the year. So, again, this is house money. This is not as though we're taking money that Ray has earned away from him. But, uh, you know, I did prep all my stuff on Marab Devalishvili and how big a fight that is for him against Terry on Ware. But I'm going to table that for next week and I'm going to yeah. get to your budget, if that's OK. It is two hundred and fifty dollars. That is provided you do make it to Russia to corner Marab Devalishvili on September 15th and then you return home safely today, though. Another chance you get two to one odds as usual. So Tyron Woodley, Darren Till, very close on paper. You pick the winner correctly. You get one hundred dollars. You don't pick the winner correctly. We get 50 back, man. I mean, this is just set up for you to have success. Tyron Woodley or Darren Till, and how do they get it done? All right, give me the uh, Jeopardy thing. Dun, dun, dun. dun. <laughs> at least 20 seconds. Candy, help me out, buddy. Da, 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 Good. We just got fined by Jeopardy. Now <laughs> we're out of business. That's you. great. Thank you. Yeah. So I look. I, I love Woodley. I'd like him to win, but I'm going to go with Till. Knew it. I knew I it. Think he, I, I knew think it. he's too big, and I think if wow. he sits on the fence with this kid or he gets caught rushing in with that blitz, it could be a problem. So I'm going to go with uh, – looks like he's got the momentum. He's been active. Uh, again, I'd like Woodley to win because I like him. I think he's a great analyst. He's a, 
He's an intelligent dude. He's a great fighter. But I think this kid might be too big, and it's just his time. All right, for an extra $50, give me the round. For an extra 50 Yeah, with this free money, you don't have to give us anything back. Give me the round. You're picking Darren Till. Round, round three. Round three, okay. Because Kenny and I were talking off the top of the show that, you know, I, I wasn't in love with the second meeting between Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and, and Tyron Woodley, and, and the Till Thompson fight was strategic in a lot of ways. I, yeah, I would yeah. be surprised if we get 25 minutes here, to be honest with you, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I think this other kid's going to bring it different. He's a different fighter than Wonderboy. He's more of a pressure fighter, not a counter fighter. And I think he could do both, but I think he's going to try to impose his size. And it really just depends on who controls the range of that fight. So whatever, we'll see like it always comes down to. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this kid looks like he's he's got the momentum now. He's got the confidence and he's a big kid and he hits hard. And, you know, we'll see if his chin holds up. I think he's going to be fine. And, Ray, you make a good point because uh, if it is a strategic fight and they are kind of – it is about finding that range, Darren Till, the taller, longer fighter, you you have to think it's probably going to favor him. Yeah, yeah, and I think it makes a difference because he's not – like Wonder Boy gets you with those tricky kicks from the outside. This guy's going to be a little more in your face. And if that fight ends up in the pocket, it could be, you know, firstest with the mostest is the bestest. But we'll see. I think he's a young kid with probably a good chin. And I think the, that's going to be the difference in the fight to me anyway. Well, thank you for your time, man. Sincerely, I know it's a busy stretch. I mean, too busy to get a haircut. If you don't get a haircut between now and Moscow, what a treat for, for I got to tell you, you know what's weird? I, had, I, I got a haircut two weeks ago. My yeah. hair is growing like crazy. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing, right? I think Ray. that's a good thing. Yes. I'm telling you, I, I, I don't know if I can get one in this week. I'll try, but it was two weeks ago, and I was like, I figured that would do it, but it's like stink weeds. And, and it gets his hair cut every three days. So I'm telling you, I cut it myself every four days. <laughs> Ken Flo and I get our noses waxed. I, I mean, it, getting yeah. old, uh, no picnic. I, I could see that. Uh, that's just that, that. Even that thought makes me sick. Yeah, I donate my together. my nose hair, though. I, I, do, I always put it to a good charity. I put it to a good cause. I'm going to post yeah. a picture of me as Elvis in the 80s at a Halloween <laughs> yeah, yeah. party. So, well, you don't have anything on me with those glasses, John. I know. That those glasses going were... up. Your Elvis glasses are gone. I'm taking over. Oh, they, they were retired mercifully after one week. All right, go cool off, my man. Thank you for the right, time. Guys. Have a good holiday. Hey, Thank man, you. We'll talk to you next week. The weekend. See you, Ray. All right, there he is, Ray Longo, with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. There was something in there that I wanted to circle back to. Uh, if I think of it, I will go back to it. But mm-hmm. we are 33 days out, by the way, Ken Flo, Habib Nurmagomedov, Conor McGregor. Interesting comments from Kevin Lee to MMA Junkie Radio. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you caught them, but – just sort of talked about some of the holes that he sees on film from Khabib Nurmagomedov, and he sees the same holes he saw two or three years ago. Here's a direct quote from Kevin Leon Khabib. If you look at his film, his actual stand-up wrestling and transition game is trash. Now, you know Kevin Lee is going to bring it action words, everything else. Uh, I think those words are probably a little bit strong here. But nonetheless, a lightweight who has spent the bulk of his career studying the likes of Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov with the hopes of one day challenging one of those two men um, would have to know a little bit about what he's talking about. And he just was maybe echoing some surprise that some of those holes that he perceives defensively have not been shored up to this point in time. It's interesting because Kevin has uh, probably the only guy who has really been asking for a fight with Habib Nurmagomedov before he was the champion. He, he always felt that he matched up very well against Habib. Um, do I agree that the, his stand-up 
uh, transition into wrestling is trash? Absolutely not. I mean, this guy is undefeated for a reason. I think he's one of the few guys who really doesn't take a whole lot of damage. And yes, we saw, you know, vulnerabilities in some of his fights. He is not a perfect fighter. There is no perfect fighter that exists in the world today. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't agree with him that Habib is trash in, in that regard. Um, if anything, I think he has one of the best grappling games, period, and, and takes minimum damage. And that's why Habib, it doesn't matter who he faces, he's always going to come in the exact same way. Um, in a lot of ways, he has um, raised the bar as far as wrestling in the UFC because he doesn't, you don't see him shooting at the legs very often. Uh, he typically gets that 50-50 or that clinch, then goes for the legs, which is much safer, which does not allow for the most dangerous counter in the game, which is that knee uh, to take place. So he's never in that range. Um, so I disagree with Kevin there. I, I think yeah. Kevin is trying to spark up interest. He, he wants that fight against Habib Nurmagomedov. I don't know if yep. that's the best fight for him, but he obviously sees something that may, maybe a lot of people don't. And if Khabib's training and those reports are any indication over the course of his UFC career, he still hasn't put his best work on film inside the octagon, right? As great as the Barboza performance was and mm -hmm. some other fights for Khabib Nurmagomedov, the best seemingly is still yet to come, which is obviously a difficult proposition for Kevin Lee, for Connor, and everybody else at 155 pounds. So I remembered what I wanted to circle back to it was the, the nose wax, right? So ah. if you are a man of 40 or younger and you have never had your nose waxed, um, just be ready for that first one because your eyes are going to tear. Hopefully your nose won't bleed, but Ken Flo actually did it. I, I don't know. I, I don't remember very much, but I remember yeah. that you once tried. See, I go to the European Wax Center. I do this professionally. You tried <laughs> to do this shit at home, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Yeah, I think my, my wife said, yeah, do you want to try this? And yeah, now I just, now I just clip them. But it was very painful. I've done it a few times, and yeah, uh, I, I don't fun. know why I'm talking about this right now. This is disgusting. But uh, it was very painful, John. Yeah, uh, I definitely teared a little bit. Yeah. Well, one guy who's way too handsome and well-kept doesn't need anything to do with the nose wax. Our next guest, one of the top 10 Bantamweights in the world, this Saturday night makes his fourth UFC appearance at UFC 228 against Aljamain Sterling. Cody Stamen is with us. Cody, appreciate your time here, man. I know it's fight week. I know it's busy. Thanks for joining us today, sir. No, man. Thanks for having me. Well, it's uh, our pleasure. I have been a long time. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's tough. Well, hey, man, I, mean, I know you fought Tom Duquesne while, and everybody was talking about how handsome that guy was. I was thinking, can we give some love to Cody Stamen for a second? Um, <laughs> so, so it seems like you've been making more media rounds than normal in advance of this fight. I know it's a high-profile fight. Uh, are you enjoying that part of the process, or for a guy like you, is that sort of just an inconvenient truth of becoming a UFC contender? No, you know, I... I enjoy doing it. Uh, I think it, I think it honestly, uh, it helps me mentally kind of just reassure myself, uh, you know, what I'm going to do when I get in the cage and, you know, I like talking about shit. I, uh, I haven't really had the opportunities to do it in the past. Um, and there was really no, there's really no benefit, uh, from it, but now I right. feel like I'm in a point where, you know, the squeaky wheel is going to get the grease. You know, I need to start, uh, you know, doing what I can to separate myself from everybody else in the pack. All right, well, before we spin it too far forward, let's talk about what we have in store this weekend. You draw Aljamain Sterling. He's got 10 UFC fights to his credit. Of course, Ray Long goes on our podcast here every week, so we know him. We know Aljo well. I know you're as confident as any Bantamweight on this roster, but I got to think at, at least Aljo has uh, your attention and your respect in terms of what he brings to the table. 
No, absolutely. Yeah, I respect him as an athlete. You know, I think, uh, you know, obviously he's very skilled, skilled everywhere. And, uh, you know, I'm prepared for that, though. You know, I thought Brian, Brian Caraway was the same the same exact way. You know, I think uh, I think I'm on the level that these guys are on, though. That's the thing. I I uh, I used to look up to these guys and kind of idolize them and just think, wow, man, they're so good. They're, they're uh, you know, they're the absolute best. And now I just I, I have a real strong belief that, you know, I am on the level that these guys are, you know, obviously, uh, I don't have the, I don't have the fights under my belt, but man, I had, you know, tons of amateur boxing experience, you know, hundreds of amateur wrestling matches, uh, you know, 20 amateur MMA fights. Like I've been a competitor for, you know, 15, 20 years of my life in combat sports. So for me, I don't, uh, you know, I don't think that anybody's going to bring more experience, you know, to the, the fighting realm than, than what I have. You know, Cody, you, you went and wrestled at, at Grand Valley State University. Tony Ferguson was there. Kevin Lee was there. Um, why are you guys producing so many mixed martial artists out of there? I mean, is it something where you guys are all – were you training with those guys? Did you get inspired by those guys? Were those guys inspired by you? What's the story behind that? No, so Kevin Kevin was after me, um, and Tony was before. Uh, I don't know. It's a small program. You know, I wasn't there long. Uh, I just think that uh, the guys that that ended up there, um, you know, were were guys maybe that didn't that didn't make it to that Division One level. Maybe they made mistakes, you know, as an amateur wrestler like I did. I don't know. I can't speak for Tony or, or Kevin, but uh, yeah, I think I think that, you know when you don't you don't reach your goal as an amateur wrestler, I think it kind of leaves like this emptiness, and uh, everyone was kind of looking for more you know that's what i was i mean mm-hmm. i i uh I, I competed for so long and then like to not have that competition aspect of my life i just couldn't do it i was right going nuts so you know when mma popped up i was i was all in um you already beat a very experienced guy in brian caraway who has been a top 10 uh in that division for a long time you beat aljamain sterling another guy who's in the top 10 um where does that put you in the division and, and how close to a title do you think that is for you Ah oh, man, I mean, there's a log jam at the beginning of this division. I mean, who knows who is the next guy? I mean, I feel like there's maybe three three guys that deserve that shot. You know, I just want to keep winning big fights. I want to keep moving forward, uh, keep moving my career forward. You know, building a fan base. I don't have any problem fighting any guy on the roster. I don't care if it's number one or number fifteen. You know, I I'll fight anybody, and that's exactly what I'm going to say after I uh, knock out Aljamain Sterling. Cody Stamen with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast fights Aljamain Sterling this weekend. So we asked Ray Longo earlier today if the the Caraway fight was of any added value because that is a common opponent. Obviously, you beat Brian and and he outpointed Sterling. I don't know how much film you watch necessarily. I'd imagine you're more a guy who focuses on all of his skills, but any added value to those particular 15 minutes, knowing that it is a common opponent and a guy that you both prepared for and fought for the full 15. Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched my fight against him, and I've watched uh, Aljamain's fight against uh, uh, Caraway. I think the the main difference was that, um, you know, Sterling let uh, Caraway kind of break him at the end of the fight. Um, you know, they were they were one to one going into that third round, and you know, I did what I had to do to win, and uh, you know, Sterling didn't. So I think more than a skill thing, I think it's a mental thing. I think you know when when uh, he gets he gets uh, in up to his neck. I think uh, 
he tends to pull back a little bit to where, you know, I'm hitting the gas pedal at that point. And I have a hard time, you know, comparing the Caraway fight to to anything I've done in my career. I mean, I, I went into that fight really banged up. That was a fight that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have competed in, you know, having uh, sustained some pretty serious injuries uh, in my training camp, you know. So uh, I feel like I was hitting on, you know, riding 60%, you know, and I still went out there and did what I had to do, uh, you know, with the limited, you know, abilities that I had. You know, so moving forward into this fight, you know, I think I'm, 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 uh, you know, I've, I've improved everywhere, uh, and, you know, I've only been in the UFC for a year, so I'm not really a guy that's peaked. I think, uh, you know, the best Cody statement is always going to be the next one. So I think, you know, I'm going to be a lot better fighter than I was when I fought Caraway. That's interesting to hear because uh, I know you're not an excuse maker, but it was a very busy fourth quarter of 2017 for you and then a relatively quick turn and then some injuries in training camp for the Caraway fight. So you know from our private conversations that I've never been more excited about the Bantamweight division, and you're certainly part of that enthusiasm. I know you're only 28 years old. I know you're just getting started, but couldn't have been thrilled, Cody, to see Henry Cejudo's name injected into this already crowded mix of contenders a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's a funny one. I've been asked the question quite a few times. But my thing is, you know, in like where I am in my career, you know, I think I'm still, you know, two, three fights away from, you know, that title shot. So for me, um, these guys, you know, I'm, I'm not there yet. So everyone's going to have to fight off. Uh, you know, what, what bothers me more than Cejudo is the fact that, you know, there, there's three, four guys that all think that, they are the next guy to get the title shot. Uh, why not fight off? Why not find out, you know, why not have a little four-man tournament at the top and figure out, you know, who is, you know, the number one contender, you know, because everyone's holding out, waiting for their shot. But realistically, you know, I don't think there's one guy that deserves it more than the other guy. You know, Dominic Cruz, he, 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 should, he should get that automatic shot. Well, I think he should fight Marais. I think there should be some kind of, uh, some kind of, of fight off. I think... Uh, it's a mess, and I really don't know how the UFC is going to handle it. Yeah, no, it is, man. It really is. And and maybe TJ would go down to 125 pounds, but that's not bringing clarity to the bantamweight division. That's just holding up the belt. But I agree with Marais and Cruz and Asuncao. There are a lot of names, and potentially you could set something up uh, on the same night the belt. Uh, well, I guess it wouldn't be the same night the belt is there. Um, all right, a couple more minutes here with Cody Stamen. So you did a session on Reddit MMA recently. Here's a quote uh, from you about getting into combat sports or something to that end. When I was eight years old, I punched this 300-pound guy in the nuts for looking at my mom the wrong way, and since then it's been on. So you just sort of had the fighting instinct. This dude's looking at your mom the wrong way. I mean, I have a daughter who's seven. I wish she would come to my defense in a year, but I just don't see it. So eight years old, you just take no prisoners, punch the guy right in the nuts. Yeah, I've kind of always had uh, bigger balls than uh, my brain, I guess you could say. <laughs> I, uh, I've never been... I've never been one that, that shied away from a fight. You know, I was a, a fat, short, uh, buck-toothed little kid, so uh, you imagine <laughs> people were always trying to bully me, but I wasn't really the guy that uh, allowed that to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, I think some people are just, they have that, they have that in them. You know, some some guys are just, are just fighters. You know, I, I know people that can, uh, you know, talk their way out of any bad situation, uh, and, you know, I'm envious of them, but for me, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's not that I don't have that ability. I just, uh, you know, I want, I want to, I want to throw it down. Yeah. 
Well, no, and that has certainly worked out for you. 17-1 and one in MMA, 3-0 and oh in the UFC. Last thing, uh, Leroy Johnson, I believe your Michigan top team teammate, suffered a serious injury over the weekend at another MMA yeah. event. He got knocked out by a knee, went face first, Kenny. I don't know if you saw it. He went no. face first to the canvas right along the fence, which, which didn't yeah. make matters any better. He needed emergency vertebrae surgery. Um, Cody, I know he's obviously been in your thoughts since Saturday. Any idea how Leroy's doing? Um, so I think he had a second surgery. I believe he's still on a, on a ventilator. So I, I'm, I'd imagine he's pretty heavily sedated. Um, you know, I, I don't know too much. I'm, I'm trying not to bug his girlfriend too much. Uh, you know, cause I know she's got a, a lot on her plate right now and you know, I'm just praying for the guy because realistically, you know, this could happen to anyone, you know, this is a pretty unforgiving sport. You know, anybody can, can suffer a, a serious injury at any point in the fight. So, uh, you know, just praying for him and hoping that um, he gets the support he needs and he comes out of this uh, without any, you know, serious life-altering injuries. Yeah, man. Well put. All right. Cody Stamen, Aljamain Sterling, you can see it on FX this weekend. And I feel like if you beat Aljo and you put him away, I mean, really, any call-out is reasonable at this point in time. You're in the top ten already, and you deserve to be there. Uh, you can see the fight on FX this weekend. Cody, thanks for the time, man. Look forward to catching up in Dallas in a few days, bud. Thank you. Yep. Thanks so much, guys. All right, Cody Stamen with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And Kenny, just sort of a freak injury. And, you know, sometimes I get on my soapbox talking about other sports being more dangerous or more violent than mixed martial arts and some of the superficial violence in our sport because of the way the face bleeds and everything else. But the fence seemed to be a factor here in this instance with Leroy Johnson. He was knocked out before he hit the canvas. And as he was going down, maybe the head clipped the fence and that resulted in something in the neck or the back. But, you know, he's managed by our buddy, Danny Rube. He's 38 years old as Leroy Johnson and maybe thought could eventually work his way to the UFC. And, now just praying that you know he can return to health and relatively quickly here after what happened this weekend. I did not hear about that story, and I did not know that our buddy Danny uh, represented him. Um, our prayers go out to him, man. That that is yeah, man. awful, and and that's that's the most dangerous thing. People think you know, oh, crazy knockout. Everybody gets excited and you know slaps hands and shakes hands and gets all. But that's the most dangerous point of the fight at the same time. So. Um, scary stuff there, and, and, and I hope he makes a full recovery as, as quickly as possible. All right, good stuff from Cody Stamen. Not in any rush in terms of the Bantamweight pecking order, which I certainly understand, right? But it, it is interesting when you look at that top 10 on paper and, and you try to figure out how soon we might get some clarity. Dominic Cruz says maybe November or December, but hmm. I don't know. If I'm TJ Dillashaw, as I've said repeatedly, I said if, if Cejudo wants the fight, let me go down and be the guy to make the history, right? I'm the more decorated UFC champion. Right. Why not? If Dillashaw thinks he can make the weight. Speaking of TJ Dillashaw, as you've heard us say over the last several weeks here on the show, the UFC Bantamweight champ absolutely loves the fight, loves the strategy. But you know what else he loves? Toyo tires. Because like Dillashaw, Toyo tires are as tough as they come. They are the official tire of the UFC. There's a lot to love about Toyo Tires' aggressive design, proven on and off-road capabilities. These truly are tires for any weather, and they've got the toughness to back it all up and then some. There's just the confidence that comes with tough tires. So no matter what you're driving, no matter where you're driving, you can count on Toyo Tires. Of course, they look great as well and are the number one choice of so many fighters on this UFC roster. Tough people love tough tires, and Toyo Tires have been proven time and time again. So if you're tough, these are the tires for you. Toyo Tires. The next time you need tires, ask for Toyo, the official tire of the UFC. Learn more at toyotires.com slash UFC, toyotires.com slash UFC. 
All right, 228 is upon us. Time to make some picks. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, the lead for Team Attic, 102 to 89. And with us to make picks today, stepping up on short notice, Ken Flo, some interesting circumstances this morning. Our Australian guest picker, Flaked. Wow. So in steps the great David Flannery representing South Dakota. David, you're a good man, a longtime listener. We appreciate you stepping up today, my man. Absolutely. No problem. And Ken Flo, he's also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, also attended hey. the UFC's last live event in Lincoln, Nebraska recently. So I think we chose well today with David Flannery and let us get to it. So here's your UFC 228 fight card, Ken Flo, an obnoxious 14 fights on that card. But even the prelims are loaded, so we got nine picks to make today. Let's get to it. We start with a fight that easily could have landed on pay-per-view. Jimmy Rivera making a relatively quick turnaround here. He was knocked out in 33 seconds by the aforementioned Marlon Marais. That was June 1. And there went Rivera's 20-fight winning streak here. He's slightly favored, minus 140 against the former two-time flyweight world title challenger John Dodson, who comes back at plus 110. All right, David, who do you like here, Rivera and Dodson at Bantamweight? This should be a pretty interesting one. This is one I've kind of wanted to see for quite a while, actually. Um, Kind of real similar builds, fairly similar styles. Um, Dodson's been kind of, you know, flipping back and forth, wins and losses. Looked not too bad in his last fight, but it was a split decision along with the one before that, so you could argue that either way. Right. And with Jimmy Rivera coming off that knockout to Mar- Marlon Marais, which essentially was his first relevant pro loss, you could pretty much call it his first loss, I don't know you know, if that's going to mess with him mentally or not, but either way, I am still going to go with Rivera. I think he's going to pull through. That was I don't want to say fluke. I never want to say fluke about a head kick like that. But it was something that I think anybody, just about anybody in that situation, probably would have got caught with. So I'm going Rivera, probably by decision. I feel like Jimmy Rivera was texting the matchmakers Monday morning saying, I know I just got knocked out viciously, but you got to find a way to get me back in there. And certainly they have done that about three months since that last fight. Kenny Dodson's won two of his last three. The last four have gone to a decision. Actually, six of his last seven have required the judges' scorecards. What do you think of Dodson as a slight underdog here against Jimmy Rivera? Listen, I, I think he's going to have the speed advantage. Uh, I think Dodson does a lot of things that are very frustrating um, for a fighter to face. Um, I, I do think Jimmy Rivera's size advantage. I, I do think the fact that he's coming off a loss will actually help him here in this one. He reads hands very well, but he doesn't read kicks so well as we saw against Marlon Marais. I don't think Dotson is that threat with his legs. So uh, I think Rivera is going to win this one. Ooh, I like that analysis. Ben Wasorek, watch, I'm going to steal that from Ken Flo. I'm stealing that <laughs> on the broadcast this weekend. Um, so Dodson comes in number seven in the world, Jimmy Rivera number five. So four of the top ten Bantamweights going to be in action on the prelims on FX. The other two, of course, Aljo and Cody Stamen, who have dominated this show here today. It's number eight versus number ten. Aljo, the slight favorite, minus 135. Stamen, plus 105. David, the floor is yours. Aljo or Cody for you? Well, I'm just going to lead off with who I'm going with on this one. I'm going with Aljamain Sterling. Um, I looked back, you know, I was going back through um, Cody Stamen's fight this morning, and both his last two fights were split decision wins. Could have kind of gone either way. He looks pretty good 
against Brian Caraway towards the end there, but he was getting absolutely dominated on the ground in the first round. And definitely, if there would have been more time, easily could have gotten finished. Um, Brian Caraway had him in a really compromising position. But uh, looking back at Aljamain here, um, he also fell victim to Marlon Moraes here not too long ago with a pretty quick first-round KO. And he seemed to bounce back really, really well against Brett Johns. And he's another guy where his two main losses back in the day here, what, 2016-2017, Brian Caraway and Rafael Asunso, both split decisions, both could have been wins. This could be a you know guy with one loss, and I think he's going to take it. Ken Flaljo, fifteen and three overall, seven and three in the UFC. He's won three of his last four overall. Seems like Stamen's getting the Vegas respect here. I thought this would be a little bit wider given Aljo's UFC experience. Your thoughts on this one at one thirty-five this weekend? I was hoping David was going to take the bait here, but uh, no, he did not. Listen, I, I think Cody is very tough. He's a very good wrestler. He knows how to win rounds. Um, but I, I do think that um, Sterling will have a huge advantage on the ground. And I don't think Stamen is that big of a threat on the feet either for Sterling. Um, I think Stamen is only getting better. Uh, I think this is a guy that is going to be tough to take out of there. He's going to keep fighting the whole way. But I think Sterling matches up pretty well against Cody here. I have to go with Sterling as well. Massive reach advantage for Aljo as well. All right, next up, your featured prelim on FX. This fight actually was initially slated to be on pay-per-view. little bit of a shuffle with the Zabit Magomed Sharipov situation. Big fight nonetheless at strawweight. Tatiana Suarez, minus 550. The former champion, Carla Esparza, big underdog here at plus 400. David, what do you think of this one at 115 pounds? Yeah, this is one of a few uh, with real wide odds. Um, you know, I'm going to be sticking with the favorite going with Tatiana Suarez. They're both wrestlers, and Carla Esparza, I think, is going to have a pretty good showing. Just based off of what Tatiana Suarez has been able to do to everybody she's really come against, I think she's going to be able to outdo her power-wise on the feet. I don't know if this one will stay on the feet because they're both wrestlers or if it's going to be pretty grappling-heavy, but I think either way, I'm definitely leaning Tatiana Suarez in this one. Tatiana Suarez for David and Kenny. If you listen to this podcast, you know I do fancy Tatiana Suarez, a future UFC champion. All of that being said, with respect to Alexa Grasso, Viviani Pereira, and Amanda Cooper, Carla Esparza is a clear step up in competition. And even though she lost her last fight to Claudia Gadelia, I thought there was a lot of upside in that performance. Odds are wide. Your thoughts on this one here between Suarez and the former champ? Yeah, and that last fight against Gadelia, I, I was really impressed in that loss with Carla Esparza. That, that was a fight that really was very close, and uh, Esparza uh, has very good takedowns, and I think that's what saved her in that last fight. And this is why this fight is a very difficult matchup for Esparza. Tatiana Suarez is a better wrestler, both in what we've seen and in pedigree. Uh, Suarez is going to be taller. She's going to be longer. Um, I think she's danger more dangerous as far as the submission game goes as well. Tough matchup for Esparza. i got to go with Suarez, who I agree with you, John, could be a future champ in that division. She gets Vegas respect as if she's the number one contender, right? I mean, she is a bigger favorite, albeit slightly, than Claudia Gadelia was against Carla Sparza not all that long ago. So Suarez, number nine in the world, Vegas is treating her like she is a top contender. And mm -hmm. I don't know that she's all that far from it, at least right now. All right, yeah. next selection for us will stay in the strawweight division. This the second fight you'll see on pay-per-view Saturday night, Jessica Andrade. Getting a whole lot of respect from Vegas as usual, minus 425 against the plus 315 underdog, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. David, title eliminator of sorts here, I would think, at 115 pounds. Who do you like? 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think this has got a good chance to be an entitled eliminator, especially if Andrade is to pull that out. Now that Rosenam Yunus is in there as champ, I think he's got a good shot of getting back in there for another uh, shot at the belt. And uh, I do think that Andrade is going to take this one. I really like Karolina Kovacavich, and she's showed quite a bit of really good game here, but it's been almost, I, w- I don't want to say exclusively striking, but she's pretty striking heavy. And I would not be shocked if it ends up turning out kind of like that Kwajika Dela fight where she kind of got overpowered, just drugged to the ground and choked pretty quickly. I don't know if that'll be the case, but I'm pretty positive that uh, Jessica Andrade is going to take this one. So this will be the 14th UFC appearance for Jessica Andrade. That is the most a- among women in UFC history. Next up, Ioana Jacek at 11. So Andrade far and away uh, the most active woman since women debuted in the UFC back in 2013. On the other side, Kenny, Kovalkiewicz kind of quietly here has won two in a row. I thought she really showed some some nice nastiness against Felice Harrigan. If she can make it three consecutive wins right here because she does have a win over Rose Namajunas, um, that could all of a sudden be the next title fight. So big opportunity for Kovalkiewicz. What do you think she does with it against Jessica Andrade? Well, this is a tough matchup for her. Um, you know, I think Andrade is one of the, you know, you talk about Kovalkiewicz uh, showing some nastiness. Well, Andrade is just too much nasty. I think for anyone yeah. in that division, she might not be the most skillful uh, fighter in that division, but probably the nastiest. And, and as far as her conditioning and her strength, um, it, she's she's a rare breed for sure. And and I think Andrade is going to lean heavily on that takedown. Kovalkiewicz, I don't know if she has the counter-wrestling to stop someone like a Jessica Andrade. And I think Kovalkiewicz does show some nastiness. I think she does have a lot of heart. But uh, Andrade, I, I think she matches up really well. I think Andrade is going to throw Kovalkiewicz all over the cage uh, on Saturday night. And I think she's not that same submission threat uh, that Kovalkiewicz should maybe fear. But as far as her ground and pound, her positioning, her ability to stay on her, Andrade should take this. And over 15 minutes, man, is she a tough proposition. Yeah. I got to think, if you're a strawweight contender, with respect to the champion, Thug Rose Namajunas, you get a phone call from Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby or Dana or anybody, the last name you want to hear at 115 pounds is Jessica Andrade. Yeah. You know, she's 5-1 and one in the division. The only loss was her title fight against Ioana Jacek. But a lot of people think she is the toughest matchup for Rose Namajunas. And I think in this fight, you have two yeah. very intriguing options for Rose. Carolina, a woman who is on her ledger as a loss, and Jessica Andrade, all the rage according to a lot of people and somebody that Rose has never fought. So yes. I wouldn't be surprised to see Saturday night's winner be next for Rose Namajunas. All right, co-main event. Valentina Shevchenko has got to be the biggest favorite in terms of a UFC title challenger. Unless there's something obvious I'm missing, she will walk first as a minus 1,300 favorite against the champion Nico Montano, who comes back at plus 700. If you heard our show last week, you say Longo suggested he was surprised the commission even approved this matchup given all of the combat sports experience of Valentina Shevchenko. I thought that was a stretch. I think a little bit disrespectful, even though not meant to be to Nico Montano. Um, but, but as far as this fight is concerned, it is a championship fight, so we will need the round and the method of victory. David, who do you think leaves Dallas as the UFC women's flyweight champ? Montano or Shevchenko? Well, I don't know. I, I <laughs> with Longo, like what you were pointing out, you know, it's probably, it, it's a little bit of a stretch, but honestly, I was looking back through it. It's probably not even that bad. Um, as far as Longo's point of view, 
Um, right. I was looking back, 58 kickboxing fights, two pro boxing fights, 18 MMA fights, and then you look at Nika Montano with, what did she got, six, and I think she had one or two or three fights on the Ultimate Fighter. That is a huge, huge, huge gap, and I see why Vegas is liking Shevchenko so much. I just don't know that Nico Montano is going to have a lot of answers for Valentina Shevchenko on the feet or on the ground, really. Um, I think it's going to be pretty one-sided, unfortunately, for Montano. I am looking at a second-round TKO for Valentina Shevchenko. Round two TKO, the pick from David for Valentina Shevchenko. And you set up some of her credentials. So she's 5-2 and two in the UFC. The only losses, of course, by decision to Amanda Nunes. But so many championship situations for Valentina Shevchenko. Main event spots on Fox against Holly Holm and Juliana Pena. 69-3 and three overall as a professional kickboxer. Seven MMA wins by submission. She's a monster, Kenny. She is probably going to close closer to minus 2,000 than the minus 1,300 she's mm. at right now. Shevchenko Montano, who do you like? Yeah, and Shevchenko, I mean, this really is her weight class, isn't it? I mean, 125 pounds really is perfect for Valentina Shevchenko. You know, and, and to Nika Montano's credit, you know, she was an underdog throughout that season, the Ultimate Fighter, and she was so good as an amateur that she basically had to turn pro. She was destroying everyone. They, she couldn't get any fights as an amateur, so she basically had to go pro very early on. So, uh, listen, she's very tough. She trains with a very good team when uh, Tom Vaughn, uh, it's right down the street from Jackson Wink. And, you know, I, I think that she probably doesn't have the skills stand-up-wise to deal with Shevchenko, but on the ground, she might be able to pose some problems. She has a good takedown. She has some good ground and pound. But Shevchenko is just dangerous everywhere. She does have a hell of a lot more experience, but so did Roxanne uh, Modafferi, yeah, you know? Yep. So um, I, I think for Nico, she definitely has her hands full. I think she's going to learn from this. I, I do see Shevchenko winning this, and I do see her winning it by finish. Um, David went with second round. I'll go with third round finish for Shevchenko. All right, Valentina Shevchenko. TKO. To click from Ken Flo by TKO. All right, main event. Man, is this juicy. I mean, man, am I excited. You know, a UFC fight week is one thing. A UFC pay-per-view week is a different animal. Tyron Woodley, slight favorite, modest 130, going for a fourth successive welterweight defense against the gorilla Darren Tool. Tool. Darren Till. Liverpool. <laughs> Outpointed Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That was a main event John, back in there. I know. I mean, that is just terrible, right? I mean, that is really bad. Thankfully... I'm told Darren Till does not listen to the Anakin Florian podcast. <laughs> Let's hope that uh, oh, we got perfect. the Darren Tool out of the way here, and and if he becomes the UFC welterweight champion, my call will not have the word Tool in it. As for this fight, Darren Till 17-0-1. He's 5-0-1 in the UFC, 10 career knockouts, and he returns here after that main event against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That was back in May. David, what do you think he does with this opportunity? Are we getting a new champion this weekend or what? That is one hell of a good question. <laughs> I've been super, super conflicted with this one. You know, looking back at, besides knocking out Robbie Lawler and takes the title, Stephen Thompson, or Stephen Thompson, Tyra Woodley has fought Stephen Thompson twice. One was really exciting. The other one, not so much. And the same with Damian Maya, where it kind of turned into counter-wrestling with Damian Maya and just kind of counter-striking back and forth with Stephen Thompson, not a whole lot of stuff going on. The problem I see 
is that that could be the exact same thing that goes on with him and Darren Till based off of Darren Till's last fight with Stephen Thompson. With that, I'm really interested to see how the weight cut goes again. Because, I mean, yeah, he's made weight in most of his fights, but he's had two fights where he's missed by four pounds or more. He's got a huge cut. Not that Tyron Woodley does not himself, but he's a huge guy. And this is one of those that I'm finding really hard to pick until I know, you know, that everybody made weight, that everybody actually makes it to the scale. But I'm kind of leaning towards Darren Till by decision. Um, I say that because I think Till will probably be able to stuff what takedowns Woodley may go for, despite Woodley really not going for much for takedowns lately. I think he will likely be able to stuff those, and I think he's going to maybe be able to stay at range and counter-strike with them a little bit and just edge out a decision. So I'm thinking Tyron, or Tyron Lee, Darren Till by decision, but not by much. New champion. All right, that's well put. You certainly did your homework. You know, I haven't called a fight of Darren Till's, and maybe we worked it together, Kenny. It was his UFC debut yes. against Wendell Oliveira, May of 2015. I'm just looking forward to seeing the guy fight live. You know, it's been a long time, almost four years for me. On the other side, you have the underappreciated Tyron Woodley, and it seems like much of the narrative leading into this fight is not the champion, it's the challenger. A lot of people are talking about Darren Till. A lot of people, Ray Longo, David, picking Darren Till in this spot. How do you think Woodley approaches it, and ultimately will he remain the UFC welterweight champ this weekend? This is a tough one. Listen, I think Tyron Woodley certainly has the capabilities of not only winning this fight, but also winning it by knockout. You know, we forget about his power uh, and his ability to knock guys out, and he knows how to fight fight southpaws. We talked about his record. Every single guy is one, two, three, four, five. His last six fights or so have been all against southpaws, essentially. Wonder Boy, he switches back and forth, but uh, we'll, we'll just say that to make my point. But, uh, you know, so Woodley, and he also knows how to stay patient. He also knows how to win a decision as well. And he's the kind of guy that has shown the ability to stay disciplined throughout 25 minutes and wait for his spots to attack. Um, And we also saw him deal with adversity in that fight against Damian Maia, where he tore his shoulder and had to deal with essentially 20 minutes of fighting with just one arm. So um, I I think the threat of the takedown needs to be present here. I don't know if we're going to see a Tyron Woodley who relies heavily on his wrestling here. I don't know if he likes to do that. Um, you know, in a lot of his fights for fear of maybe getting too tired. Uh, but Tyron, I think, needs to take that a measured approach here to wait for his spot to get in and land that big shot. Now, it's not going to be an easy task against Darren Till, who I believe is going to try to lead the dance and make the octagon as small as possible. I think if he can back Woodley up uh, and keep him on the outside, uh, I think Till can win this fight, both by knockout or by decision. Uh, um, I think we saw the patience and discipline of Darren Till as well against Wonder Boy. We also saw, have seen his ability to knock people out. His most dangerous weapons, what are they? All on the left side. His left kick to the body, his left kick to the head, his left hand to the head, uh, and his left elbow is something that Tyron Woodley really needs to be able to neutralize in this fight. Otherwise, Woodley's going to be in big-time trouble. I don't know if I'm going with my heart or my head, but I am going to pick Tyron Woodley here uh, to win by decision. 
Tyron Woodley by decision for the flow. And how about Ken Flo? Underslept, and you wouldn't even know it. Absolute <laughs> fire today. Um, all right, Dave, couple quick picks on the way out. So no analysis needed. These are just for the record because Ken Flo needs points. So uh, this fight's on pay-per-view. <laughs> Abdul Razak Alhassan, minus 155. Nico Price, after that huge knockout of Randy Brown, his last time out. Slight underdog here, a plus 125, David. You going Razak Alhassan or Nico Price? I'm going with Nico Price. Kenny, I thought Nico would be the slight favorite here at minus 155, but the further you dive into the body of work of Abdul Razak Hassan and the more film I watch, I can maybe understand why he gets the distinction as the favorite, but I think you're shaking your head because you're on the Nico Price side as well. Yes. I don't know where you found this guy. I don't want David on this podcast <laughs> ever again. All right, no, listen. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like Nico as well. All right, Craig White, minus 230. He had a short-notice UFC debut against Neil Magny, so full camp for him here as he takes on Diego Sanchez. 28th UFC appearance for Diego Sanchez, who comes back at plus 185. David, what do you think, Craig White or Diego Sanchez? Tough to pick because Diego's kind of rocky record lately, but I am going to go Craig White just because of that. All right, David's going with Craig White, Ken Flo. You saw Diego Sanchez recently. Still at it, man. You know, starting to finally show some age in the face a little bit. I was like, man, this is the ageless Diego Sanchez. Still looks pretty good to me, though. 28th UFC fight. You think he gets it done here against Craig White or what? I'm going with the nightmare, Diego Sanchez. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, that that just makes sense for you to pick Diego for more reasons than one. All right, finally, Alex White, minus 145 against Jim Miller, plus 115. And the reason we're picking this fight today, boys, is because Jim Miller will be making his record 30th UFC appearance wow. on Saturday night. Made his UFC debut in October of 2008, so not even 10 years on the roster. 30 fucking UFC fights. That just sounds like a headache. David, you think he gets it done here as slight underdog against Alex White or what? Yeah, I think so. Um, he's on a four-fight losing streak, but it's been against really good competition. I think he's going to get it done. Ken Flo, Alex White has been up and down, alternating wins and losses over his last five. You on that Jim Miller side, too, or are you going Alex White? Jim Miller. I'm going with Jim Miller. Damn you, David. Ha. David Flannery, short notice. Anakin Florian podcast hey, debut you today. You can't even say I was copying you either, Ken Flo. <laughs> you did right. a good job, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we always, we always have the guest picker lead, but maybe we'll switch it up next week. But nine picks out of you, David. We appreciate it. Appreciate your listenership, and and hopefully you crush the flow this weekend, buddy. Thanks for the time. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. Been a big fan of both of you for a long time. Appreciate it. Thanks Thank for listening, so man. so much. And, I, and if Thanks, that guys. picture's any indication, that's not the guy you want to draw in jiu-jitsu class tonight when they're matching you guys up. So try to steer clear of David Flannery. I See, I avoid matchups like David Flannery on the jiu-jitsu mat, mats all the time. I just don't show up for class. It's very simple. <laughs> that's right. Oh. All right, we are both underslept. we got to get out of here. Thank you to our guest, the great Cody Stamen, Ray Longo, who, of course, will be in the opposite corner with Aljo this weekend. Uh, crew at Fox Sports, Ben Wasorek, John Hill, Danny Mayock, Jeff Williams, anyone else who sacrificed part of their holiday, their Sunday and Monday. Uh, we appreciate it very much. I'm headed to Dallas Thursday morning for the call on pay-per-view. Joe Rogan, Daniel Cormier, Ken Flo. You working this weekend? You off? What do you got? I am working this weekend. Have a great show, dude. It should be a fun one, and uh, I will see you on the other side, man. Safe travels, brother. Sounds good. And as always, if you want to change your picks, yes, feel I will. Free. I know, I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tech. I'm gonna use the old mobile cell phone there. 
And if you do want to see Ken Flo, he is in Los Angeles all week. May RockyBJJ.com. Look it up. Go to the school. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, the hip-hop in the background, the gray mats. I mean, it, honestly, it's the type of Brazilian jiu-jitsu atmosphere that would inspire someone like me. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I, I'm Thank you. That, that was the idea behind it, my man. Thank you so much. And actually, I forgot to say... Shout out to Meraki Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because it's going to be our one-year anniversary on Saturday. And, and thank you wow. to all of my students, uh, to Jason Hunt, my partner and, and uh, uh, co-head instructor over there doing a great job. And uh, we're going to have Homla Bahal there uh, doing a seminar this Saturday. And then after, we're going to have a little get-together. Everyone is welcome to kind of stop by and check out the gym. We'll have some food and drinks over there if you guys want to check it out um, around noon one o'clock something like that everyone's more than welcome to come and, and hang absolutely love it no sugary beverages on those beautiful gray mats also no shoes on the mats that's okay? right dude you know it i mean you learned that lesson pretty early on i still can't tie my white belt but take your <laughs> shoes off before you go on the mat may rocky bjj you know it's like would you rather have hip-hop and ken flow delicately telling you what to do or marcos pahumpa damata <laughs> Scream it in your ear. Oh, I'm just kidding. Funny. I love He's you. the man. We got to get out of here. All right. Enjoy UFC 228 Woodley versus Till. Don't forget the prelims will be on FX, and we will be back to recap all of it with you next Monday. With that, for The Flow, I'm John Anik. We appreciate you all listening sincerely. Until next Monday, don't text and drive. Enjoy the fights. Yo fucking later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.